The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Mythology Explained YouTube channel. Please note that there are two narrators for this podcast, myself, Silas, and Zach. Please enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Mythology Explained. In today's video, we're going to discuss the Dark One, a cosmic manifestation of evil and the main antagonist from the Wheel of Time series. And just a quick disclaimer before we get going. There may be spoilers for those reading the series or watching the first season, so if that will be a problem for you, this may not be the best video to watch. Let's get into it. The Dark One's true name was Shaitan, but to name him so was to invoke him and thus draw his eye to you. Those who fought him avoided using his true name to avoid notice. And so, every race and culture used their own alternatives, yielding an array of substitute titles including Father of Lies, Sight Blinder, Heart's Bane, Soul's Bane, Father of Storms, Light Eater, Soul Binder, the list goes on. You could say that he had as many titles as there were ways for someone to have their life snuffed out and put in the grave. Those who swore their souls to the Dark One also avoid using his true name, but for a very different reason. To them, saying the true name was to blaspheme, so instead, they favor titles that extolled the Dark One, as opposed to the pejorative variety used by those who lived in the light. The most favored title used by those who forsook their immortal souls was Great Lord of the Dark. There's a duality to the Dark One, much as there's a duality to the primordial deities in Greek mythology, simultaneously existing as gods and as the fundamental manifestations of creation as they pertain to life and the material world. On the one hand, the Dark One was a force of supreme malevolence that sought to remake the world, creation itself even, in his own twisted image. However, his true nature was more profound and complicated than being an unfathomably powerful force with wicked world-dominating goals. He was the manifestation of evil, the wellspring from which all evil came. To have him removed from creation would have been to remove the capacity to perform evil, which is insidiously awful, for the elimination of the capacity to perpetrate evil, by extension, precludes people from rising above evil to bring true good into the world. Binaries are defined by their opposites, so evil cannot exist in a world devoid of the capacity for good any more than good can exist in a world devoid of the capacity for evil. Because of this dynamic, it becomes apparent that forever imprisoning the Dark One, not killing him, is the best course of action because killing him obliterates evil, which, in turn, sanitizes creation in a way that would leave it in a perpetual state of grey, utterly lacking in black or white. And perhaps worst of all, this grey world would ultimately rob people of their agency, destroying free will, which, we can all agree, isn't an eventuality we'd like for ourselves. The antithetical counterpart to the Dark One is the Creator, who's comparable to how God is conceptualized in monotheistic religions. He's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, but despite this boundless state of existence that the human mind can't begin to truly comprehend, he doesn't interfere with the course of events that unfold in the universe he created. At the same time, though, the creator is the grand architect of the pattern, which is the infinite tapestry that encompasses everything that has or will happen. People are often described as being threads in the pattern, and the wheel weaves as the wheel wills is a common saying that expresses a fatalistic quality that characterizes creations as it's conceived in the wheel of time. 
People do have autonomy in dictating their own destinies, but also, to a certain extent, the flow of time and the events that crystallize in its wake are preordained. The pattern is infinite, and it is said many times that it has neither beginning nor end. Every permutation of events, every iteration of existence, has already come and gone, and will come and go again, again and again. The use of magic is one of the defining aspects of this story. Here's a quote from Moiraine Damodred, a magic wielder and one of the main characters that explains it. The one power comes from the true source, the driving force of creation, the force the creator made to turn the wheel of time. Sidin, the male half of the true source, and Sidar, the female half, work against each other, and at the same time together to provide that force. The true source cannot be used up, any more than the river can be used by the wheel of the mill. What this quote doesn't tell you is that the one power, when wielded by its people, is like a prism that splits light, but instead of separating it into colors, it separates it into the five powers, which are fire, water, earth, air, and spirit. The one power extends life, and the more strongly gifted someone is, the longer they live. Those most powerful in the one power can live for centuries, but not everyone is blessed with the ability to touch the one power. During the third age, the age in which the wheel of time takes place, there are no male channelers, wielders of the one power. For Sidon, the male half, became tainted by the dark one. Because of that taint, men born with the gift are inevitably driven mad. So any male channelers are hunted down by female channelers and gentled, which is to extinguish the ability in someone, before their minds break and they wreak havoc upon the world. This takes us to a time thousands of years in the past, the end of the previous age, the second age, known as the Age of Legends. This was a time of magic, marvels, and miracles. The one power was ubiquitous, improving every facet of society, and the channelers of that time, comparatively, were much, much more powerful than the channelers in the third age. It was an idyllic time. Life was paradisiacal. War, famine, suffering, and hardship of every kind were conquered. All of the fighting arts and all of the tactics of war were forgotten. Unneeded for so long, people had to dust off ancient, arcane tomes to learn of them once again. The most exalted people in the Age of Legends were the most powerful wielders of the One Power, who harnessed their knowledge and talent towards scholarship, unlocking new technologies and applications of the One Power that could benefit society. Despite everything that was achieved, though, people were still people, and the unworthy aspects of our collective character still lurked beneath the surface, particularly pride. Mirin Eronel, later known as Landfear, meaning Daughter of the Night in the Old Tongue, a name she would choose when she forsook the light and declared herself for the shadow, was as powerful in the One Power as a woman could be. She was a researcher at the Column Darn, a huge floating university, spherical in shape, made of silver and blue domes. Landfear lusted after power and prestige, her appetite for those insatiable. At some point in her research, she and one of her colleagues made an astonishing discovery, detecting a new, seemingly limitless energy source that appeared to exist outside of the pattern. She and her team bore a metaphysical hole through the pattern itself, connecting creation to this new energy source. Unfortunately, this was just about the worst thing that anyone could have done. They unwittingly bore a hole in the Dark One's prison, allowing him to exert his will on the pattern itself. This precipitated a chain of events, 
a downward spiral known as the Collapse, which culminated and was punctuated by the breaking of the world. Lanfear was the first to proclaim herself for the Shadow, but more would follow, with many of the most powerful channelers of that time proclaiming themselves too. This resulted in the War of Power, a global, world-consuming conflict in which the forces of good and the forces of evil were pitted against each other in total war. After years of fighting, Luz Theron Telamon, the most powerful channeler, the most revered man, and the leader of all of the armies who fought for the light, proposed a brazen plan, a concentrated attack on the boar itself so that it could be sealed, thereby severing the Dark One's connection, once again sealing him away in his prison. None of the female channelers agreed to his plan, but Luz Theron went ahead anyway, galvanizing the male channelers. He led the infamous Hundred Companions, 113 male channelers. Using seven seals, they plugged the boar, even sealing away many of the Forsaken, the name given to the most powerful channelers who gave themselves to the Shadow. But the victory came at a high cost, perhaps too high. Sidon, the male half of the power, was tainted so that all male channelers were driven mad. One by one, madness took them. Their insanity, coupled with their immense power, broke the world, the event that ended the Second Age. The Age of Legends was no more, its peace and prosperity a relic from a bygone time. Then, thousands of years later, near the end of the Third Age, the time in which the events of the Wheel of Time take place, Luz Theron's soul is spun back into the pattern, and the Dark One's prison, weakening, sees the remaining Forsaken, those sealed away with the Dark One, released, bringing the war between good and evil, light and dark, back into full swing. Another bout with the highest stakes imaginable, the very fate of creation. And that's it for this video. If you enjoyed the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. As always, leave your video suggestions down below.